Hello, welcome back to the Pro Pilot Playbook Podcast, where we bring you insights into your aviation career and encouragement to get out there and start on it. The tips, the tricks, the hacks, the shortcuts to get you through your pilot training and and to the point of being a paid pilot faster and cheaper. And uh, I'm Sean, and we got Mike. I'm here. Mike Martin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Today's podcast, uh, and we've been off the air again. I feel like. Uh, <laughs> Feel like I say this, I've uh, been saying this the last couple of podcasts, but it's just been getting busy out there. Oh man, it's summertime too. You know, everybody's traveling and doing things and trying yes. to enjoy the new summer of uh 2021, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything's opened up and people are out there. Yeah, exactly. Which means not only are we doing that stuff ourselves, but you know, in our industry, people are are it's just blowing up, especially on the private side of things right now. Right, totally. Um, Yes, uh, but and and uh, there's been things morphing and and uh, you know my situation with aircraft leaving and and uh, new airplanes coming in. I'm I'm going to school on uh, on a new jet here in just about a week. Uh, wow. So a lot of things moving around right now. Just been busy, but uh, today's podcast we're gonna do uh, we're gonna talk about the the recent thing that's been all over the news and and at least in our world uh you know the 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 crash out in uh truckee tahoe california the challenger 605 crash so a little bit of industry news and uh yeah it's a sad thing yeah yeah anytime you know there's a crash in this business everybody's all eyeballs are on it speculating trying to figure out what happened because you know fortunately it doesn't happen too often and when one of these does it's it's big news yeah yeah. Right, right. Yeah, and you know, one good thing, Sean, that came out of the coronavirus is we got used to these Zoom, uh, Zoom podcasts. We we uh, we used to get together and do them in person, and then that was even harder with our schedules with our both traveling. Now we've got the the Zoom thing going. So I mean, this is fantastic. As you can see, I'm on in a layover here in a small town in Iowa. Um, so I found a. <laughs> At the Holiday Inn Express. <laughs> that doesn't look like Iowa. <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, uh, I'm actually in Chicago now, so I'm on the magnificent mile here on the 37th floor. So, uh, but but yeah, beautiful day in Chicago, man. It's like uh, 60 or uh, nine degrees this morning when I was out. I think the high is 75 or something. So, yeah. what a what a nice place to come in the summer. You know, I'm not a big fan in the winter, but in the summer, it's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're, no, we're, I've been traveling a lot too, but uh, no, I'm I'm just back at the command post here. Awesome. So I can record the podcast. Great. Great. Yeah. Somebody's got to do the heavy lifting, man. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know this. This I've been following this crash pretty closely because uh, I think most viewers know. Mentioned I. I was. I fly a, a Challenger variant now of this airplane, a 300, which is a, yep. a new version of it. But I've got actually about a thousand hours in the airframe that crashed here. The Challenger 604 is what I used to fly. This is a Challenger 605. So uh, really the only difference, it's a newer version of the 604 is avionics. There's a, uh, so that just to give a little background on the plane, and I know Sean's flown this uh, as a regional jet. Yeah, I've flown the stretch. They call it the stretch 604, 605, the, which was the RJ200. Yeah. Uh, the CRJ200, uh, which is just, it's the exact same airplane. They just put a few more feet of fuselage on it and stuck 50 seats in it. And that, that's yeah. those first RJs flying around. Yeah, yeah. 
this was uh, this plane, this variant of this airplane is probably, I mean, I'm shooting from the hip here, but one of the most successful designs ever. Yeah. Oh yeah. They built thousands of them. Uh, well, thousands is the right word, but definitely, uh, actually, I think it is just under 2000 of them built or something. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. But, but the design was originally uh, Bill Lear's design. Yeah. The godfather of corporate flying in the seventies. And then they had, they call them the, the 600 series, but you know, they had the 601 and really it's a lot of just avionics. The 601 had like steam gauges. Then they came out with the 604 had the Collins Proline four, which is a nice package. And then they, uh, the 605, which is the latest version that these guys were flying is a, uh, uh, has the Collins Proline 21, uh, which is really nice avionics in it. But they did a few things over the years. I mean, since the seventies, they added different fuel tanks and things to increase the range, but, but really it's all been the same. And then, like you said, they stretched it and then that became the Canada regional jet, which probably most of our viewers have been on. I mean, it's a sure. super successful airplane. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. there, there are i mean just coming over experience of flying the, those types of planes i mean you know the the wing is a little slippery on those it's a laminar flow wing and uh right. one of the other most famous crashes there's been several but oh yeah yeah i know what you're about to say we had a dick dick aversall crash in montrose colorado um from de-icing um but the, the the wing is so slick it's very sensitive to any type of uh uh contamination on right. it they call it a super critical wing or whatever i think was the word they they used right uh, right it, yeah for the viewers that are into it you can look at that crash up but but basically it was uh it's one that's studied over and over again now in training and i'm sure this one will be too but um the the basically the frost it frost, was yeah, frost. It, it wasn't even yeah anything. yeah <laughs> yeah and the the pilots made a decision it wasn't that bad they didn't need to spray the airplane with the ice fluid and uh um because a lot of jets it, it it was fine but in this particular airplane yeah they uh they did that so um and then it crashed right off the runway and it not killed. that it was fine legally ever but you know <laughs> as you're out there and have experience you you start to learn what different machines will do and not do and uh, thanks for somebody, telling me my court there yeah <laughs> and somebody made a bad decision yeah 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 and it killed a, a high profile uh I think it was a sportscaster or something was on board or something. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, this one. So um, we'll, we'll get into the details of it, but it seems like a stall might've occurred here, but this is Truckee, California. So for the, the, the viewers that aren't familiar with that region of the country. So uh, it's Lake Tahoe is, is where this is. Mm -hmm. um, so, so Lake Tahoe is an awesome lake outside of it's about a three hour drive from San Francisco in the mountains. It's super deep. It's super beautiful, high elevation. I think the the, the lake is like 2,000 feet deep, super clear water, mountains all around it. You can ski there in the winter. In the summer, though, it's super popular for boating. Um, and sure. the, airport, the, air, the, the lake is half in California and half in Nevada. So um, Truckee, California is an airport that accesses uh, one side of the lake, uh, Truckee, which is a high-end vacation area of the lake. It takes hours to drive around this lake it's huge so um there's south lake tahoe which is half in california half in nevada where there's a bunch of casinos that's the more touristy uh, place where probably a lot of our viewers may have been 
Um, and there's an airport there that wasn't this airport. And then the north side of the lake, uh, there's uh, Incline Village, which is another nice area in Nevada where a lot of big homes there because uh, the taxes are cheaper. I know a lot about this lake. The taxes are cheaper on the Nevada side than the California side. So there's a lot of huge homes. I know a lot of tech people have uh, in Incline Village. Um, that airport, or that's actually most serviceable from the Reno airport. So there's the Reno Tahoe International Airport, which is by far, far the best and biggest airport that services the lake. That drive time is closer. But if if you have a customer that lives in Truckee, obviously the Chuck Truckee Airport is better because it's on the other side of the lake, and then South Lake is even closer. So um, obviously these people were probably going to Truckee. It's not your first choice. In fact, of the three airports, I would consider it the most challenging. Um, it is a not, it's high elevation and, uh, there's a lot of terrain around it. And it's one yeah. of the, nobody like, you know, you tighten your, your uh, seatbelt up when you go into for sure. Have you been up there before, Sean? No, I have never landed at the airport. Uh, but, uh, I have done approaches into this, this airport in the simulator. Um, I don't remember what the details were about why we were doing it, but it, it you know, the airport sits at 6,500 feet in elevation, yeah. you know, right. that's, that's it, you know, not on a day like this. I just pulled up what the, uh, density altitude is for the airport today with, with heat and density altitude for some of you just getting into aviation. That's, that's a fancy, uh, that's a fancy word for what the airplane feel the altitude that it feels like it's flying at you know it takes into account the temperature and humidity um so even though the airport sits at 6500 feet above sea level today with today's weather temperature and dew point or dew point's fancy word for humidity uh the airplane would feel like it's flying at about 8000 feet off the ground uh that's sitting you know wheels on the ground not even you know trying to fly a pattern around the airport and uh, performance a great deal yeah yeah and you mix that in with uh you know like mike just said terrain on both sides of the airport or not yeah yeah i mean it, it creates a, a situation where you got to be on point yeah for that sure. that is some of the initial uh mike and i were just talking before we hit the record button some of the initial stuff coming out of this right now is that the uh the uh the crew one of the crew members may have been new to the airplane right uh, so and that although most of these air these these machines you know they're it, it's somewhat like riding a bike they all have their own little nuances and i call it the settling in period you know when you get in a new oh, yeah. airplane where you're trying to learn all its moves and how it thinks and stuff and um you know, you take a situation going into a challenging airport like this and you mix into mix that into the recipe of, you know, this pilot may not have been settled into that machine all the way. Um, you know, it, it's a it's a lot of work. Absolutely. And I guess we should say a disclaimer here, you know, at the time that we're filming this. Right. This not- just happened a couple of days ago, four days ago. Yeah, so we're just shooting from the hip here uh, based on what we've read. By- There's been no initial anything from the NTSB or anything yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So before we get any mean comments, like, <laughs> right, this is not. Yeah, yeah. So this is just based on gossip, really. So we're, we're just going to tell you what we think based on what we've heard and, 
and our experience going in there. So one one thing that's going on out there, and it's every summer, unfortunately, and, and we do a lot of traveling with my company all around the West in the summer because it's so beautiful, um, is these wildfires um, in there. Yeah a problem you know and you can there's 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 a google app where you can track where all the fires are and depending on which way the wind's blowing uh, uh where the smoke can be because it can actually ruin your trip if you're going out there on vacation um you know I, i've been to some of these places where you land and it literally smells like a campfire the visibility's oh, yeah. down you know sometimes there's ash in the air yeah and there's an article that's kind of interesting. I was going into Michigan a couple uh, weeks ago, northern Michigan, and the visibility was super reduced, and it was because of smoke. But actually, if you read about it, the fires are so bad out west, some of the smoke is getting caught up in the jet stream, and it's traveling as far as, you know, Canada and, and northern Michigan and stuff. Yeah. We In Cincinnati, we're getting those sunsets, the really red sunsets from the smoke. Um, so this is this area where Tahoe is is ground zero for these. I mean, there's always wildfires out there, and uh, it looks like smoke was a contributing factor. I, I believe the visibility is three or four miles. Is that right? I think. I heard. Uh, you know what? I don't recall. But yeah, I mean, they had the they called the airport, and that's another thing. In the links, in the links in the comments section below, uh, we're going to reference a couple things we're talking about. There's the ATC. There's a video somebody posted of the actual ATC audio. You'll hear the pilots talking to the controllers and uh, you can hear them call the airport in sight. They have the runway in sight and they were doing an approach to the shorter runway. There's uh, two runways out there. They were doing the approach to the shorter runway. After they had the airport in sight, they decided to circle to the longer runway for runway length because um, it's bigger. It's a bigger airplane. Uh, at least for a, you know, the smaller runway is 4,600 feet long and right. the, the big runway is 7,000 feet long. So they were coming in on the approach for the shorter runway. And then, and I'm going to put the airport diagram on the screen right now, and put some arrows of what's happening. And then they uh, circled around to the longer runway, but somewhere in that circle, uh, you know, there was supposedly this smoke issue from the fires and they may have lost sight of the runway, may have lost sight of the ground even, uh, most likely lost sight of the ground. And, yes. uh, and then got themselves into a bad situation. There's also another link to a video. This is the other link there is somebody's ring camera attached to the front door of the house there uh, that has audio. It's actually pretty good audio of uh, you can hear the jet, you can hear the engine spooling up. Uh, where they were trying to get themselves out of that bad situation when they realized what was happening. And you can even hear the impact in the, in the video. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, crazy stuff. Crazy. It's eerie to listen to just well, FYI. Yeah. A lot of questions here, you know, if they're landing on 11, why were they shooting the approach for 20? Uh, but it, there's several different things. You said that backwards. Why, if they're landing on 20, why are they shooting approach for 11? Gotcha. No, no, no. They were on the approach for 20 and they circled to 11 uh, and they were limo. In oh, I'm sorry. I said it backwards. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, you know, normally you would just shoot the approach for that runway. Now it could be wind. There could have been issues of why that is. I, I know 11's got more terrain. The approach does. I'm looking at it and the minimums are not as low. So um, for whatever reason, and then there's another thing circulating on the internet that that the runway lighting on the longer runway is better, or I don't, I don't even think the smaller runway has lights. So maybe they, they circle for that. But I, Sean and I were talking, I think, 
you know, you'll, you guys, the viewers that are in your primary training, just getting started, getting your private's license, they'll, they'll teach you about the base to final turn and the stall, but it is a common problem, you know, and, and, uh, you know, private pilots and everybody alike, you know, when you're turning from base to final, your load factor changes on the wing and, uh, you can sure. get slower, easier. Well, you compound that with, um, with, uh, uh, high altitude, right. And then they're in this big, heavy airplane that they're new to. Um, it sounds like they just got slow. And, you know, when you're in a prop and you do that, you can just cob in a bunch of power and you're fine. In a jet, as we know, there's a, what they call a spool up time. So if you're like looking, you know, they're circling and they're looking out at the airport, both pilots, and they're like, oh, there's a runway, you got it all. And then, you know, you could have a cornering tailwind. So a lot of times the wind is actually pushing sure. behind you when you're in the turn. Oh, we overshot. Let's let's pull back. And then they get a little steep. Then they keep keep pulling back. Next thing you know, you're, you're in the stall regime. And then you cob in a bunch of power. And then there's a delay on the engines and then you right. hear from that ring camera, you can hear them spooling up. Uh, so that's probably too late. You've already stalled the airplane. It's, it's heading in towards the ground and then the engines are spooling up. So it's kind of right. scary. You can actually, I mean, you could get yourself in such a bad situation. If you really weren't paying attention by the time the spool up fully gets underway, the airplane could be at an attitude, which now you've just exaggerated everything even yes. worse and uh especially when you realize that you're getting into that bad situation and now you've got full control forces the other way and there's not enough wind over the anything to do or energy over any of the control services to do anything now you're stalling the airplane even worse you know that's why that you know you need to break the stall and uh but the other thing to remember is uh, there's something that happens you know to when you're flying an approach like this even in visual conditions. But for some reason, it messes with you even more a little bit coming in when you got partial instrument conditions and instrument conditions as in you can't see out the windows. You're inside the airplane. But yeah. when you're coming into an airport where you've got terrain, terrain above you on one side or the other or both sides, and you are flying the airplane on this approach down below this terrain, every now and then you get a glimpse out the window through the clouds of you're below the mountains and you get that speed rush of how fast you're going and everything there's it messes with you a little bit plus like mike just mentioned these machines when you take into account density altitude and everything and this airport's a high altitude the machine doesn't operate like it normally does like 90 out of 100 times that you fly this thing uh at a elevation of you know somewhere around 500 to a thousand feet off the ground like everywhere we have on the east coast right you get out there and especially when the airplane's fully configured you know as in landing gear down flaps uh the machine just feels different it feels kind of wonky it feels like a big old truck that's got yep. loose steering on it or something yes and uh it it that messes with you too sometimes oh, yeah. because it everything that all those little motor skills that are built into your brain from thousands of hours of flying are are giving you mixed signals to your brain you know and you take that into account and losing track of the runway they're doing a a goofy turn here uh it, it, i i can i can totally see how they could get themselves in a bad situation really fast 
Yeah, the engines too, they don't function as they don't produce as much. Exactly. Thought. Yeah. The the your engine, your throttle res your yeah. Your oh, power response is completely different. Yeah. Taxi in an Aspen, you're like, you land and they're like, okay, let's taxi up here. Oh, you yeah, push yeah. the throttles up a little bit and you're like, why are we driving around on the ground? Exactly. Yeah. Just taxi. Yeah. You yeah. know, if you, in that spool up thing, if you guys research, it's just one of the things I remember the F-86 Sabre jet, which was one of the first fighters, that thing was, that thing was like a jet built. Uh, it was an airplane built on a jet engine. Oh like, yeah. Like and these, sitting on top of jet engine. <laughs> all these old jet engines, man. It was like you push the throttles up and then you could eat your lunch and then they finally start spinning up, you know? So they've gotten much better with all these, uh, FADEC controls and, and the engines that are on the, um, the uh challenger are pretty good i mean they're yeah. they GE, GE baby right here in cincinnati yep yep cf-34s that those were designed for the uh a10 which yeah. is a, those are you know, a low level fighter yeah yeah it's got a huge fan and you can get thrust but there's still a few seconds there where right. you know you don't have anything you know um and uh man that's it's it's scary actually thinking about but but yeah that's uh an unfortunate event there's some things coming out a little bit about where the flight was coming from and the pastures and all that stuff. But it sounds like preliminarily the airplane was registered to Fort Lauderdale company, but that doesn't mean really it could be, a, it could have been a charter. I haven't heard whether it was someone renting the plane or it could have been. Owner. It could have yeah. been some guy who owns a bunch of airplanes in Florida who just leases them out to people. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the, the flight they think originated from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which is a, just a beautiful place in Idaho that people go in the summer. There's a big lake there. Yeah, that's in the video. That's yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's on record. Yeah, that's where they're coming from. Yeah, yeah, a lot of ultra wealthy people there um, um, to go there from California. A lot of celebrities too. Actually, I was when I started that. I'm like, oh man, I wonder if it's you know somebody famous. But um, looks like it's some real estate people. I was just reading before the podcast, maybe in their agent or something. Uh, I think Canadian people, and then their their agent from Palm Springs or something was on there. But just man, really a sad thing. So Sean, uh, Sean, let them know. So how these things can take forever, right? Before they all get unraveled. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. So the I was just reading the NTSB just finished up. They just left the uh, the site. They they've got everything they need. Uh, all the all the folks involved have been identified. Um, yeah, total of six, the four passengers, two pilots. Um, so yeah, I mean, it could be anywhere from it. I mean, sometimes it's as short as uh, a couple months, but I've seen investigations take over a year before they post any, everybody's even forgotten it happened and yeah. the DSB will release their report on it. Right. Um, right. But it sounds like, I mean, just looking at the stuff they've got. There was some actual eyewitnesses, oh, uh, right. some folks that actually saw the airplane impact. They hit um, a golf course, I think. Yeah, yeah. So they've, I think they've got enough stuff. We may hear about this one, uh, you know, pretty quickly. And that airplane has, um, well, you know what? I shouldn't say that. I'm not sure if that one has, That I don't know. Did, did the 604 have data? Yeah, it's got, well, obviously the voice, but it also has a computer that monitors all the movements and stuff. Right, so, because yeah. those those uh, control services were hydraulic, right? Yeah, they'll, they'll be able to tell the airspeed yeah. and all that stuff once they once they download all that from the black yeah, box. So they may, yeah, they may, uh, they may have something here relatively quickly. 
Yeah, yeah, man. And then, uh, of course, the repercussions in the industry will be. Uh, oh, yeah. Get ready for the insurance rates to go up. <laughs> and then every single pilot that goes through recurrent training is going to have to do a base to final turn. Yep. Yep. They're going to redesign our uh, our stall procedure training. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yep. that's good. I mean, that's what yes. we need to do is adapt for, so these things don't happen. But uh, Yeah, I mean, it's. You know, it's been this way and it's the number gets higher and higher as the years go by. It used to be, you know, way back when in the 60s and 70s, you know, when you look at the percentage of of what causes aircraft accidents, you know, there was always a way larger percentage of it being mechanical, you know, as as we've gotten into this you know, the technology of we're making things better, we're manufacturing things better and the just in general, these machines are becoming way more reliable and we've written the rules around the mechanical stuff is almost out of it now. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, we're in the high 90 some percentile that when something crashes, it is the pilot's fault. Absolutely. Unfortunately. Yep. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So they, they, you know, all these things we do in training every six months or every year, Right. Are written in blood. You know, they, we identified something new. We need to make sure everybody understands, you know, and yep. we'll be training it in the simulator. That's right. That's right. Good. Well, anything else to add on it? You think? I don't know. I think we, uh, we hit it. Check out the, uh, check out the links below though. That, that rain camera video, man, that, that one got me, you know, and yeah. Then, uh, yeah. listen to the ATC also, you know, the, at no point do you, this is how fast things sneak up It you know, listening to the pilot, it was most likely the pilot not flying, you know, so uh, whoever wasn't operating the controls was working the radio and nobody seems too concerned about anything. You know, there's, yeah. he's, he's calm. He's just, you know, doing the normal radio calls and, and then you hear the, uh, the controllers coming back, you know, everybody, the airport's closed basically. Yep. Yeah, I heard it may have been a contract pilot on there too. So oh that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that because yeah. the guy was new uh, to the aircraft. The whatever one of the pilots was new to the aircraft. So this is common in our industry. You get a contract guy out there who has more time in the airplane. You know, meets the insurance requirements and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see how this unfolds. And uh, yeah, if anybody else watching has uh, some more theories that we didn't touch on, yeah, leave it in the comments and we'll take a look. Yeah. All right. Thanks for joining us here at the uh, Pro Pop Playbook podcast. And we're going to be back answering some more questions uh, with you here. And we also have the podcast coming up that I promised on the last podcast. I started putting it together and it's actually, and I'm referring to the cadet programs, the airline oh, cadet programs. That thing is, it's, uh, there's way more of them than I thought there was. And uh, the, the stuff's kind of moving around. It's a moving target. But anyway, I've got a pretty good list of things together here on the cadet program. Some good info. That would be a good one to watch, actually. Yep. But, uh, awesome. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks a lot.